You're listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Uh, since uh, it's the number one movie at the box office, uh, everybody who normally avoids horror movies have been asking things like, you know, on a scale of one to totally freaked out, how bad is it? <clears throat> I saw it last week, and so I've enjoyed telling folks that I only had to, like, blink really, really fast through one scene to keep from freaking out. <clears throat> and before you say, yeah, like, but don't you like horror movies. Um, This is true, but they still terrify me. Like, run to the back of the theater and stand for the entire movie kind of terror. So I really don't think this one is that bad. Um, But even if you don't see it, all you really need to know in order to um, track what I'm saying uh, is this. And I promise no spoilers. Um, Us is about an African-American family on vacation, and one night they notice a threatening-looking group of people standing in their front yard. They look menacing, but as the mysterious gang gets closer, they see that it's just another family, but another family that looks exactly like them. Like, there's a carbon copy of the mom, the dad, and the two kids. And for the rest of the movie, this, the first family, the good family, tries to protect themselves from their shadow family. And like any good horror movie, things happen during the movie that make you uh, doubt if you can really tell the difference between the good family and the bad family. It's honestly one of the best Hollywood movies I've seen on race and class in America. But it's also one of the most theological, I would even say Lutheran, films I've seen. I mean, Jordan Peele, the director, is Episcopalian, but I'll I'll still give it to him, yeah. (laughs) And that's because at its core, us is about the sinner and saint within all of us. It's about how we even construct the concept of an us. That if there's an us, there has to be a them. And we humans, that's the funny thing, we are infinitely creative at making a them out of almost anyone. The people across the tracks, the people with different skin color, the people who work in the mail room, or just those rich assholes up in the penthouse. And even with the best of intentions, when we pour all our resources into protecting and creating safe spaces for us, it's just impossible for that not to eventually do violence to them. At the end of the day, this movie, it tells us that creating safe spaces, absolutely safe, impermeable, you'll never be able to get over this wall type of safe spaces, that it's a fool's errand. Because as the director, Jordan Peele, put it, uh, my thesis is that there's a demon in human DNA that we can't get away from. 
That sounds like sin. That sounds like the part of us and the part of the world that we try and protect ourselves from and that divides the world into gated communities and neighborhoods that folks with my skin color have been told their entire lives never to walk in. The self-centered ego that we all share and that we try and project onto everybody else, but when in reality, the call is coming from inside the house. But as we hear in today's gospel, the good news of Jesus is not about keeping us safe, not safe from our shadow. It's about revealing the shadow within us so that we are no longer divided people, no longer divided communities. I sat down and reread this week's gospel uh, last Sunday night, and uh, so I had Jesus' words ringing in my head as I watched the movie on Monday. And the the movie is kind of a parable as well. And so watching this parable on screen helped me to see Jesus' parable with new eyes. Because the prodigal son, it's probably the most famous parable of Jesus. And since it's so familiar, it's easy to think that we know what it says and what it means. Like that's the one about how God loves us in spite of the worst thing we've done, or that's the one about how hard it can be to see someone receive forgiveness when we feel like we've worked hard to keep our side of the street clean, or that's the one about how life is short and that it's never too late to start over, that it's never too late to reconcile with those we've hurt. And it's not that I think that any of that is untrue. But in light of the movie, I've been asking myself more if this parable is also really about how hard we work to protect ourselves from our shadow side. What I mean is I'm wondering if the two brothers in this parable are really two sides of the same coin. Two parts of being human that are within all of us. Two parts that we try and keep separate to the point of believing that our shadow side really isn't part of us after all. Because in today's gospel, we have a father with two sons. One of the sons has worked his whole life to create a safe space for himself. He makes his bed, he goes to work in the morning, and he saves what he earns in a good, safe investment account. The other son does the opposite. He drinks away all his dad's money. He parties with the people his parents always warned him about. And then when he hits rock bottom, he comes crawling back. And the older son, the good son, he's not having any of it. The return of the, of the bad son, the bad brother, isn't a cause for celebration because after working so hard to create that safe space around him, the careful, good son, he'd rather see his bad, reckless brother tarred and feathered. Which is basically what was expected in the culture and time. In fact, at that, in the days of Jesus, the, the Pharisees, they, um, they were writing down a collection of oral Jewish law called the Mishnah. And in the Mishnah, it spells out exactly what was to happen in this situation, which is an oddly specific thing. It spelled out exactly what was to happen when a son asked for his father's inheritance 
before the father before the father died lost the inheritance specifically among the gentiles and then came crawling back it's very specific and it was considered the worst thing a man could do it was like telling your father that you wished he was dead and so when the son would come crawling back This is what the father was supposed to do. He was supposed to wait in the street, not run to his son, but wait. And that was because this is interesting, running running was shameful for men, for non-warrior men because they had to hike up their toga and you might see their legs. <laughs> so the father was to wait and when the son finally reached him he was to grab a pot and smash it in front of him it was a ceremony called the kazaza and he was to proclaim as he broke the pot that he was cut off forever and the rest of the town was to then drive the shamed son back into the wilderness and so when the good son sees that his father instead runs to his son and gives him a kiss shaming himself in the process and then throws him a party he is furious i mean this part of his family this part even of himself it's the part that he works so hard to prevent from surface surfacing <clears throat> and it was back and this part that he had worked so hard to keep from surfacing was being celebrated And honestly, I can totally sympathize with him. <clears throat> I too crave safety from my own shadow side. I I think this was the hardest thing I struggled with when I had to get sober. I was so traumatized just by the realization that I was a drug addict. I mean, how could that be? I had grown up in the church and I loved it. I got good grades. I was at an Ivy League school at the time. And the biggest thing was that I had always believed that drugs were dangerous. I didn't seek out danger. That was what other people did. Bad people. And so I just couldn't admit to myself that this same shadow was inside me too. And so I did what so many of us do when we discover our shadow. I said, "Well, if I'm a bad person, then that must be all that I am." And so I cut myself off from everyone I could possibly cut myself off from. What I did is I tried to create a safe space for my shadow. A space where I could protect my shadow from mixing it all with the part of me I felt was good, and the good part was in the past. but that didn't fix anything because i discovered that there are not any real safe spaces not spaces that are safe from the love and grace of god because as hard as i tried i could not prevent god from plunging down into the depths and hitting rock bottom with me and when that happened What I realized is that the good news of Christ is not that we can keep our good separate from our bad. The gospel of Christ 
It's just not a safe space. And though many of us do need to carve out corners in our lives that approximate safety in order to heal from trauma or hatred or even to just take a breather, God is not in the business of conforming to our ideas of safety. Because here's the thing, all too often what I think of as safe is really just alienation and isolation from all that I am. And I will always sell myself short. We will all always sell ourselves short. We'll sell ourselves short of ultimately that our our idea of a good life is to keep what we think of as bad away permanently from the good. We will sell ourselves short of all that we think of all that our lives can be. Which is why you may have heard us say here at half Ass that we cannot promise that this church will be a safe space. But we pray it is a brave space. And I pray that this is a space where the grace and love of God fuel a bravery in you A bravery that gives you the strength to see and know all that you are. Especially the parts that you'd prefer to stay safe from. Whether that be for you, racism and white privilege or internalized transphobia or homophobia or body shaming, slut shaming, narcissism, or I don't know, just plain hatred for those people who don't understand why The Great British Bake Off is an amazing show. Because all that you are, all that you are is welcome at this table. And it's at this table in the light of the cross of Jesus Christ that all of it, all of who you are, it's all destined to be transformed. It's here at this table where death has lost its sting and sin will never be safe again. Because at this table... This is where Jesus still eats with prostitutes and tax collectors and with the whole world. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast for House for All Sinners and Saints. If you like what you've been hearing and would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, just go to our website, www.houseforall.org and click on Give.